0: I wanted to be a doctor and a cheerleader and a writer. And I was just convinced that that was going to be my life, that I could be a cheerleader and a pediatrician and also a writer all at the same time. And so I think
1: you just invented your new sitcom, Amy.
0: (laughs) Cheerleading pediatrician.
1: PowerPoints, power lunches, conference calls, reply to all, endless meetings, constant check-ins, and so much wasted time. Are you sick of the BS? So are we. It's time to take our time back, rework the way we work, and make every call a call to action. This is a podcast for people who want to stop talking and really start connecting. This is After 12. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to After Twelve, 12 for 12's original podcast series that explores cool companies, brands, messages and makers and what compels us as fans to take notice and to dig in. We've got a great show for you today and although I say that every time, I mean it this time. The other times I was lying. Our guest today is an actress, writer, producer, director, an editor who has appeared in AMC's The Killing, HBO's Family Tree, Netflix Stranger Things, Alien Covenant, and recent uh, remake of Pet Cemetery. She also wrote, um, co-directed, executive produced, the Starz series The Girlfriend Experience, based on the Steven Soderbergh film, and she is truly a passionate, driven maker, storyteller, and performer with a bio that I could go on all day. That, that could be the episode of her bio. And she helped keep my kids from a life of guns and drugs at an early age. <laughs> Internet, please join me in welcoming Amy Simons to tw- After 12. Amy! Hi! Hi! It's good to see Welcome. your face! It's good to see your face. Um... Congrats on the upcoming release of your film, too. She she dies tomorrow.
0: Yes, I'm very excited about it.
1: Hi. How's the new house? Good. Can you come over? Uh, I, I can't. Are you okay? I am going to die tomorrow.
0: There is no tomorrow for me.
1: All right, listen, Amy. I'm really freaking out right now. I feel like you put this idea of dying in my head. Can can you just call me back? You expecting someone? Hello, Jane. Okay. You okay? I just have this feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. But how do you know? I just know. Okay, so you don't know to you Happy birthday I just thought for a second when the lights went out movie title for right now
0: uh yeah i mean i made it in such a like in such a bubble and in secret and i uh yeah it's very strange for it to be coming out um during a pandemic when it's about a contagious idea um right so it's it's a very strange surreal sort of experience to have have it coming out right now yeah
1: there's so much meta in movie making i mean and and right now we are we're living in truly intense and uncertain times. I mean, we've got the global health crisis, the economic effects of COVID-19, the racial anguish and, you know, hegemony and violent protests caused by, you know, George Floyd's death and, and previous others. Um, how, how is all of this affecting you as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, and more importantly as a, as a human being?
0: i mean I, I I do feel like right a spe- like specifically with the protests and everything is that it's a it's I think we're gonna come out on a, on a on a, a bet on the other side better for it um it's about time you know that the, that these issues and that people are you know there's solidarity behind these issues and and that people are really standing behind black lives matter and have stopped treating them like this rogue you know uh terrorist group or mind you you know whatever they thought right. they were which is really exciting you know to see happening and seeing people like standing up against something altogether. Um, but and then and then which is a you know a clash with like the like coming right out of isolation from quarantine it's just been this really like manic and sort of wild uh, way where, where I feel like as a filmmaker but as a human being and and just even as like a, I guess, a citizen of the world, or you know, a citizen of the United States. More importantly, right now, is is that you know, it's 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 just been a lot of time for like self reflection of like how you live your life, you know, in quarantine, in isolation. But then also who you are, not just an in, an in, in, an individual, but who you are as, as as a citizen of your country and as a people. It's a really interesting sort of like morphing time that I'm my I feel like my goal right now is to not to make assumptions but to just listen and absorb mm-hmm. right now as opposed to try to put my idea of what's happening on onto the situation if that makes sense
1: sure I mean but I you are a deeper thinker um I'm not saying that the lowest common denominator of American isn't I just uh, like you know, this is a reflection point for you, but do you think we've hit an inflection point for, I don't know, the gestalt of our country, the way we come to appreciate what we value? You know, it's like, uh, you know, we we talked about this the other day. I get to spend time with my kids in a way that I never have, or my wife that I never have, or just just with myself in a way that I I never have. Do you think people will take this and 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 actualize what it? what it could mean? Or do you think we're going to go back to like that same kind of ultra-capitalist paradigm where it's like, you know, we just become too busy and too self-centered and you know, we get back, you know, to the same way things were that really led to where it is now?
0: I'm not I'm not sure what I've I I don't know I can't predict the future but I but I do feel like there's a paradigm shift in in so many like that's coupled with the the time for self-reflection and the time for for real for remembering what is important and then mixed with all of this like political unrest and everyone banding together I think that you know I think you know whether whatever side you're on right or left I think it's become I I think it's going to be hard to go back to a hyper capitalist sort of approach to everything, because I feel like people now are really starting to understand how important it is to care about the issues and to be active about the issues, whether that's like in at home or, you know, or politically speaking. It'll be really interesting to sort of see. I don't know how, how. you know as it's been so polarizing or it's the the politically it's been so polarized it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens this this year with the election you know it's sort of like there's like I'm dreading it but I'm also sort of like fascinated to see what evolves from it but I do see what I, what has been inspiring is is you know people around me not not only um during covid trying to figure out ways to how to help their community and act locally but even yeah. politically speaking right now people are starting to get much more interested in like local politics and lo- like and thinking more locally of like you know who your da is who your your police chief and sheriff are you know it's really i think think people are starting to realize that like it starts in your community and yeah. um and as opposed to just like every four years voting for the president, you know, Right. that you can make a change. So it's, so I do think that there's a lot of priorities shifting um, personally, but also politically speaking, it's, it's interesting to watch.
1: It is interesting. I mean, it's funny you say like how polarizing it is because it, it seems like our tendency as human beings, although we live in all colors and shades and flavors, we end up like, bifurcating we we go to two groups there's there's a conservative and there's a liberal there's a democrat and there's a republican there's good and there's bad and it's like you know somebody that explores this in in your movies in your writing i mean we're all different shades of gray right there's no one or another i mean from sexuality to identity there's there's <laughs> we're we're all on different scales and the fact that um you know we've we've globalized to a sense where we've got to bucket everything we've got to silo everything um it really uh i think it, it undoes us which takes me to, to your to what you do as a as a maker i mean you're such a scrappy filmmaker and you started locally um you started in in florida right tell us about like your, your start and how you got into this this love of this medium
0: yeah, I mean, I so I I grew up in Florida. I did do uh, a semester at NYU, but I went to Florida State, and I met all of my Gates, who's helping with the camera, um, all of my dear friends, Barry Jenkins, Adela Romanski, all of us, and James Laxon who shoots all of Barry's movies, and Dave, uh, uh, David Robert Mitchell, who made um, It Follows, and Myth of Sleepover, and then most recently Under the Silver Lake. Is that the name of um, and so we all were there during the same time, and I was—I didn't go to the film school there. I was there. I was doing literature and art history, but I knew I was going to continue to make films. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked really closely with uh, with with the the film people in the film school, and would just get my hand or just—I just wanted to be on set so I could learn because I was only like mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen, you know. So I just like would do whatever I wanted, like like or whatever they needed help with costume design, production design, all these like all these different ways. I could just be on set, and I continued to do that from after I graduated. I moved to San Francisco and then L. A. and New York, and I just continued to do you know whether it was holding a boom or um, holding a camera, just continued to find different ways to be on set so I could just learn the craft. Um, and, and then, um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I, I, I always came at it as a filmmaker and a writer and even when I started acting, it was because, uh, it was because I, I I was acting in my own movies, uh, because I was cheap and available and so, well, free, I was free and, um, (laughs)
1: Inex- inexpensive,
0: inexpensive not cheap yeah not cheap yeah exactly inexpensive meaning free okay. um and so and then and then i yeah. found that because i was so young when i was when i was first making films and and a lot, all my first films i was in i realized it took me a really long time to admit that i was an actor because i felt like i was just doing it for the convenience of um, the com- convenience factor but n- now looking back I realized that like I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I was a filmmaker the same way yeah. I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I was acting in my stuff so I guess like I I, I developed all of those skills at the same time all together in like a in, you know as I was and you're able to act more um, in, in other people's movies than you are um, as a filmmaker it's sometimes hard because you don't get to do your craft constantly, you know, you yeah. it's, it, it takes money, it takes energy and you know, um, but uh, it just takes time. So, so yeah, so they all sort of developed all together and, and they still, for me as like a, as, as a writer and a director and as an actor and even producer, they all feed into each other and each one informs the other in a way. So because I get asked a lot is like, which one do you prefer? And I don't think I would be able to give up one over the other, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a real crew love too. When you're, when you're on a set with people, um, there's a camaraderie and a community and just a, a hangout feel that you get that you, um, it's hard to explain. I don't think a lot of people unless they've experienced it know. So it's interesting that you have been behind the camera, in front of the camera, and have an equal love and, and reverence for those things. Um were you like do you remember as a kid saying, When I grow up I wanna I wanna work in the movies or I wanna I wanna make media?
0: No, I wanted to be I think when I was uh well, when the age I was when when I was babysitting Jake, your son, um, when I was four, <laughs> I wanted to be a yeah. I wanted to be a doctor and a cheerleader and a writer, and I was just convinced that that was going to be my life—that I could be a cheerleader and a pediatrician and also a writer all at the same time. And so
1: I think you just invented your new sitcom, Amy. <laughs>
0: Cheerleading pediatrica. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's that's pretty good. Um, and so, so no, I, I mean, well, I also didn't grow up with artists, you know? So, like, I my parents are... are my mom's a speech pathologist and my dad was a real estate yeah. broker. So it wasn't... So I always knew I wanted to write, but I didn't... I always thought it was going to be a hobby, you know? I always thought if you get to do it, you have to figure out something else to make money while you're doing the thing that you love.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. The thing on the side. I think that's so funny. My dad was the same way He's like, you can go to school and study, you know, business or marketing. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I thought I wanted to be an actor until, you know, I started hijacking, um, the scripts and I was like, Oh, I've I'd probably be an, you know, improv or interview people. I think that's probably easier than actually having to stay on point. Um, but it's funny, I mean, you've worked in all the different departments. You kind of, you understand the process, which is so, so few people, I, I really think, have that kind of end-to-end understanding. Um, and right now, especially, it's like, with the pandemic, I feel like we're living through, like, uh, you know a Roland Emmerich disaster movie Um, you know for three months movie theaters have been totally shut down kind of changing that congregational way that we we watch things or that you know like I and I don't know as a writer or a director if you think about like the audience sitting together if that's part of your process but like we're not doing that right now and everything is kind of streamed into the home and so you've got more of this solitary approach to whatever it is that you're making um, do you think this is uh, going to be a new normal or something that as a as a maker now you you have to think about when you're actually shooting
0: Yeah, I mean I, I when I it's 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 twofold. so like it, you know it's different when i was making um both my in both independent films like both um i guess i've made three now but um i wasn't really thinking about the audience i was making these movies in a void i mean i was making them because i wanted to entertain i wanted them to be entertaining but i wasn't necessarily thinking so specifically because an independent film you have no idea who like I guess I guess in in the kind of independent film that I make, but you have no idea what audience it's going to reach. But then when I turned to television, you like you knew before you wrote that there's going to be an audience and you knew how they were like how they were going to be engaging and even with the girlfriend experience, I knew that they would be on stars the channel, but also they they were launching their app. So when we were approaching writing, it became Uh, that became part of how we thought about how each episode moved um, because it was streaming and you could watch it as like a movie essentially.
1: Was there like marketing support too? I mean, when you do something like that, do you like meet with a a marketing director who's saying, okay, this is our demographic. These are the, these are the ages that we're going after and the type of content they enjoy watching. So, you know, we're going to review your, your scripts as you're, you're co-writing it. Um, does that work? Does it work that way? How does that work?
0: I'm sure for I'm sure for someone. I mean, I had a very rare experience um, because Soderberg, basically Soderbergh. Basically, Soderberg went to stars, and said, "What's the amount of money that you that you, we could make a show for, where you just leave us alone, and there's no notes. You just let these two filmmakers, myself and Josh Kerrigan, <laughs> do whatever we wanted." And so they gave him a number, and he's like, great. And he gave us the number, and he was like, now make a show. And it was a pretty low – It's a, I mean, for television and, you know, Union Cruise, it's a pretty low number. But it's still – it was still Crazy. 15 – more than 15, 20, 30 times um, the amount of money I had ever had to make a movie myself. So it was – I I actually feel like television um, is a really – you know, is a, is a really – easy transition for independent filmmakers because you're always against the clock you're you're it's still there's yeah. never enough money you know i think all, it's almost a better transition from independent film to television than maybe some of the independent films to like these massive studio movies you know i just feel like there's a lot more similarity in terms of the m- machinery and how it works but um and it's well, you have there. a quicker
1: you have a quicker turnaround time too right I mean, yeah like you have to deliver and
0: there's a quick you turnaround time, they tend to be more contained, you know, the locations. Yeah. Are, I mean, there's obviously, there's big budget shows, you know, obviously like Game of Thrones or something, but still, like, it, they they tend to be much more contained, and so you move at, like, a, you move a lot more like an independent film than you do on these bigger movies, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's kind of a, a real asset to kind of the accidental skill set that you you came up with just being scrappy, like being curious about all these things. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, Amy, what do you think about um, film and TV now in terms of like, you know, okay, for 90 days nothing has been in production and this shutdown, I mean, it, it includes my job as like a, a commercial producer or like corporate videos, but it also includes like major motion pictures, television shows, the only thing that's really happening are podcasts like this. This is why this is happening. I never thought I'd podcast. Um, but how do you think this this lull, this 90 days or, you know, whatever continues in, in this COVID environment, how do you think post-COVID will affect, you know, the production process and costs? And do you think more, you know, Amy Simon scrappy um, makers will start emerging and popping up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I, the, the, you know, I, I always say this. I, I really, I feel like independent filmmakers really love a challenge. And so I feel like I, my prediction right now and sort of what, my, the, what I'm feeling right now, from not just not just my prediction, but in through talking to other filmmakers and talking to other showrunners and talking to these people is that, is that a lot of the more scrappy, um, smaller productions are going to go back before anything else. Because by nature, you have a smaller crew, it's easier to social distance, there's less people on set, you know, um, and and it's 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 a lot more nimble and easier to sort of corral, you know, like you're not dealing with yeah. uh, 100, 150, 200 people on your crew, you're dealing, I mean, if you're making movies like I like I just did, you're dealing with like five people. <laughs> you can see out your entire crew within your eyesight. Um, and so... So I think I think it's going to be there's a, there's going to be a lot more of that for a while, a lot a lot more independent films going back first. And then I think yeah, I think there's like the bigger budget stuff is going to be really hard when you have all these extras. I mean, it's it's just an unwieldy thing. So I think it's going to take time. I mean, some of the stuff that um that I was reading and I'm I'm curious. I actually I'm supposed to was supposed to go and act on the Soderbergh movie um, uh, before COVID hit, like actually the week COVID hit. And now he's going to shoot in September, but, um, I'm hearing rumors that like, we might have to, before we can shoot, we might all have to quarantine before we can shoot. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot Uh of like, and I've heard that from several people where it's like, if they're going to go into production anytime soon, they all have to like quarantine for two weeks before they actually step foot on set. Um, yeah so that obviously costs money but I, and and then i had I had these conversations I had a conversation with Jason bloom too because i was I was thinking about maybe making a straight thriller or horror movie, and he was saying the same thing as like you know a lot of the things that that they're looking at pushing into production are uh are very contained like home invasion movies, right like so it's all in one <laughs> you know like <laughs> so,
1: the, the, the genre, genre just blows up because it's all in. Your it's house. It's all
0: in one house, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like in movies, like scenes from a marriage or something, like a Bergmanesque yeah, yeah. like revival. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's like that. That's where people's brains are. But I also think I also think the other reason I think it's going to be the more scrappier films is because you know independent filmmakers are the ones who uh, you know kind of ignore the system. In the system yeah. right now, everyone is so used to a way of doing things, and there, I I hear this a lot, and I don't want to knock people individually, but like that they think things are going to go back to normal, and they're just not. Like a lot of executives think that things are going to suddenly go back to normal, and you, I I see it more in ter- in terms of like problem solving or like what the way the film industry is going to look is through people who grew up. It grew up or, or developed their careers through this independent way of thinking. So, like Soderbergh, even Jason Bloom. you know what I mean, you know?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, he's an interesting one to talk to, too, I mean, because he streamed The, the Hunt, and I, I'm sure he took a significant, you know, um, I, I'm sure there was a loss in terms of revenue from putting that to stream in, instead of theaters. But at the same time, I mean, you're engaging with your audiences in a whole new way. And on the production side of it, like when you and Gates were doing She Dies Tomorrow, I mean, and you have an intimate group of people. I mean, that's got to help the performer when you're dealing with heavy subject matter. And it's, it's more of a psychological thriller or it's an emotional character driven thing where there's, I mean, if you don't get the intimacy authentic and right in the moment, then your audience now who's so deft at smelling bullshit, you know, they're going to be like, oh, I, I, I'm not interested. Um, and there's, there's also such, a, here's the other issue. There's such a demand for content right now. I mean, we, we are so addicted to content. And I even think of like the short form content, um, you know, that's coming out with like Quibi or whatever. Um, people, people just, they're, they're dying. I mean, like you should see jake and maddie now amy i mean they're like looking at their phones all the time and it just 25 second 30 second blocks of content and it just keeps populating the stream so i think i think when it comes to like having a really good long form narrative that's not just like a quick snackable people need that more than ever good storytelling
0: yeah no i i agree and i also think it's interesting to see sort of also, the format, like you're saying, Quibi, because I think it's like the what are they? They're like roughly like ten minutes or less than ten minutes or something, like each episode. I think so. It's really interesting yeah. to see the format breaking up too, because even when we did um, the Girlfriend Experience, there weren't a lot of thirty-minute dramas um, on television, and I think the only one that we knew of, of course, was was uh, was was Stevens. He's gonna sound like a god after I'm done with this, but um, but like. <laughs>
1: He's, he's pretty close. He's
0: great. Yeah. 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 He's fine. Um, but <laughs> no, but he had made a, a show called K street on HBO that was really good. It actually is, it's, it's still re- relevant. It's the, it's this couple who are a real life couple that, um, you know, worked for, um, the, the, uh, Clinton administration. Anyways, it's, it's all about politics and behind the scenes sort of politics. And it's really fascinating but he that was a 30-minute format and he 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 just felt like he, he can see things that are like coming and he's he saw that people were going to be binge watching this show and he was like there's something just really bingeable about a 30-minute drama as opposed to usually it's traditionally or usually comedies and so it's been interesting to see how yeah. how we consume has affected like the format of, of what we're doing because even on quibi it's like they, everyone's shooting for vertical. T- totally. Um, it's just it's sort of blown the doors yeah. open of of even with movies. I you know people are always like, well, it has to be ninety minutes. It's like now that we're consuming things in the way that we are, there's no real reason. I mean, obviously theatrical, but uh, there's no real reason for movies to have to be a specific length anymore. It's now right. sort of like blown the doors open for whatever you know. Like, however, you want to make a movie or whatever it looks like, or it's just—it's really interesting to see happen. Well, and
1: even the last decade of television, I mean, episodic has just blown me away. I mean, there's so much great content and great thought being put into to the scripts and then the casting. I mean, phenomenal actors of of like you know every skill level coming out, um, and really, really interesting topics. Do you? Do you kind of have a preference in terms of like, do you like to do episodic or do you like to have like a, a long form kind of ninety minute story end to end kind of packaged and 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 this is what you get?
0: I like both because they they both have you know with with an, with with ninety minutes or like with the film that I just did, you can just like get so intense like you can you can make the tone so intense like in a way that you can't you 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 can you can't really get away with it in a, in um. Episodic, like it, because it's it's so hard to handle that much tone. You know what I mean? Like, join
1: us next week. Yeah.
0: Enjoy <laughs> 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 us more. next week for more <laughs> depressing, intense. Yeah.
1: Right. right.
0: Um. But but it, but I do love what's cool about like episodic is you can go on these tangents that otherwise in this hour and a half you don't have the room. It's so focused, and you have to stay so focused even if it like is sort of like this like winding narrative you still have to like really rein it in whereas in television you you have the room to be like i just want to you know what i'm going to follow this character now like for yeah. an entire episode and it's so fun yeah. to be able to sort of excavate all of the material for and have that room and that space to do that in episodic so i like i do like both i i do find they fulfill different you know, sort of different artistic uh, needs that I have.
1: Do you, do you think the the financial backing will change now because of COVID too? I mean, like in the sense that, you know, for instance, I, I read, I don't know, you can correct me if this is wrong, but like, you know, Marvel was exploring you talking, uh, you know, about directing um, uh, Black Widow. And I just wonder like, you know, the the amount of money that some of these corporations have, I mean, each film is like, um, you know, um, an LLC that lasts three years and has, you know, uh, upwards of, you know, half a billion dollar production value, depending on what the film is. Do you think that'll change? Do You think, you know, people are going to, or companies that underwrite these films are going to start to say, you know what, I I want to take a chance on something now because I. I'm worried about you know all of the loss of revenue. For instance, I'm sure the studios were hit huge. I mean, this past 90 days, uh, you know, has, has probably caused a, a major um, shortage of, of revenue, and they're not going to make their numbers. Does this give an advantage to again to the to the scrappy you know young new filmmaker?
0: I mean, I I, I think on some level, but I also. This is, I, and I don't mean this in a um in a pessimistic way, but also people are so risk adverse, hmm. you know and i yeah. don't I don't think that I think people are so risk adverse that they're they're gonna they're gonna want to hold on to whatever level of normalcy that they that they think they can predict at the box office you know yeah. so like I think that they're they're gonna still want to make these like tentpole movies because they're guaranteed. To um, to make money, I don't know when they're going to be able to go back into production. So that's the only thing. That's the only thing that's going to like drive them to invest in a different kind of movie is because I don't know. I don't know when those like Marvel movies are going to be able to go back. You know?
1: Right. And you talk about you know big crews, you know big big locations, big budgets. I mean, last week Hollywood Studios released um, the guide to reopening. Um, film and TV production post-COVID and it's like auditions behind plexiglass, um, staggered crew meals, frequent testing, compliance officers for coronavirus. I mean, d- is, is this tenable on top of everything else too? I mean, just for instance, you know, taking a prop and, and having to contain a prop so that it's not, you know, it's not passing virus, you know, or pathogen on it. Um,
0: I mean, I, I what, think... I mean, I mean, I think that's, that's where, you know, they're going to have to, I think that's where unions are going to really have to step in, you know what I mean? And it's in terms of like the sections, like being really much stricter than they already are about like, you cannot touch, you know, this department stuff. Like it, it just has to be that way. Like it just has to be sort of organized. Like there needs to be some mandate from the unions and they're also not just from the the productions themselves, but like all the unions need to come in and sort of mandate exactly how they feel they're going to be able to protect their, their workers. Right. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that that will be really helpful for even the smaller productions is to see sort of follow the lead of like what the unions are doing and then reversely like what the independent films are doing. But I, you know, I, I I do think it's tenable, but again, but it, it has to be on a, I still think it's going to be on these smaller productions because it's just, it's so much easier to regulate that stuff, to to be able to, like, if I can see in my eyesight the crew, you know, if I can see where they are, like, sort of in proximity, then it's it's easier for me to be, like, for everyone to feel comfortable that everyone's following the rules as opposed to who knows who brought in XYZ, like, the props or the costumes or, you know, whatever.
1: Well, I mean, the silver lining to that, it, like you know, you're talking about quarantining w- with Soderbergh's new film. I mean, like, think about it. Like, if you had to quarantine with the other performers that you were with, the level of rehearsal of you know intimacy in terms of trust, you know, getting to know the actor on a personal level, and then and then being able to explore new angles, is that that kind of like sounds like. It could be a real benefit to the actual story right
0: right i mean yeah i mean it that's the that's the fun the fun part about it too is that you get to like you kind of like bond <laughs> you're, you're gonna you get to, to hang bond. out with
1: benicio for like, for like a month or two before <laughs> you actually start shooting i was like
0: yeah and hopefully doesn't doesn't george clooney too
1: yeah, um. yeah, totally yes <laughs> Yes, all of Steven's friends sound like that would be really cool, and and just like the the learning, you know, like the mind share. Like again, you know, in any business, you learn by experience, you learn hands on, and you get these little trinkets of of information from everybody you meet, and it's like, especially when you're with like, you know, experts in their field, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um,
0: I'm curious. I'm actually what? the the one thing I'm curious about is like. I wonder if, like, for the next three years, and this is just a prediction because I think it's funny, but it's not funny. It's funny, it's not funny. <laughs> is that I wonder if anyone, like, if we just won't see kissing in a movie for, like, <laughs> for like five years. You know, yeah. like, just nobody's yeah. kissing. It's yeah, like you're
1: in, not like, sitting here in my house. Like, so like Bollywood like, movies. How you kiss me, me anymore? Yeah,
0: like, like, Bollywood movies, you know, like, it, it was just recently that they allowed... Um, to show kissing on screen, so I'm like really curious what that's gonna do. Like, like it, it it might just be that like nobody kisses in a movie for like a very long time, or has any physical re- like interaction. Or,
1: or you you get the insurance companies to get like body doubles who have like signed away their lives to be the kissing doubles. Yeah, exactly. What do you do? I'm a professional kisser.
0: They like when they go in for a kiss, it just cuts to a really big wide, <laughs> and like. <laughs> Or they just like get, digital like,
1: anatomical head, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Doll heads to kiss. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Um I, I mean, would you let me ask that question. As an actress, would you want to kiss somebody I mean, that's, that you had? That's
0: the the thing. I mean, I you would want guarantees, right? You would want to know has this person been recently tested? Has like, you know, all of these all of these factors that like go in like the testing you know like obviously being tested like very recent up into that you know to the those moments but um but yeah or like i i you know i'm i don't know who knows what the antibody test is you know we, nobody knows right. nobody knows anything that's sort, sort of part of why it's all so scary but um but yeah i mean that's a, that's a really difficult sort of uh Because, I I mean, in the the film coming up, I'm playing somebody's wife. And so it's like, you know, we have to play husband and wife. So, like, it's interesting. But maybe, you know, maybe it's a character choice that we just don't have that level of intimacy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just just become, like, like like a a puritanical society society. in our content. I love that. I think that could be. Well, I mean, we've, you know, we've definitely um, hit, you know, a new or next normal. I don't you know it's not like this is unprecedented because you know the uh the spanish flu in 1918 had similar things but we just didn't have such a media driven addicted content consuming society back then so i don't know it's it's anyone's guess at the same time amy i have to imagine like as somebody that has got the gears constantly turning what what have you been working on during quarantine have you been writing ideas have you been kind of like getting meta and thinking oh this is a cool topic to actually explore some things in this weird pandemic
0: yeah i mean i think i think everything you know it's it's actually i've, I've had to go back to certain tv shows i was writing to do because they're they're you know current their current show so like they take place mm-hmm. currently so i had to go back and do sort of a pass where it was like post-covid um or like what now that i have this knowledge like being like okay this this has to change because one of them's almost like a travel log sort of show and
1: uh so you're actually introducing right now into the narrative the the reality of okay wow
0: um and then and then so it's 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 like kind of too or i guess it's like multi-pronged in a way where it's like the content if you're making something modern day you know it has got to it not it doesn't have to like be about covid but like acknowledging it in some sort of form is 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 on my mind like creatively but then there's also on the production end of like how to actually execute something which also for me um, I, I always like writing stuff, or what, whenever I write something, I always like writing stuff that I know I can execute or I know will get made. Whether yeah. that's if I independently do it myself or if I'm providing it to like a network or whoever, it's like, it's like I can talk them through how we can execute something. So inevitably for me, the producing and the execution of it inevitably affects the content you know. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, and so, yeah, a very contained, almost home invasion, like <laughs> script. I am writing almost, it's not really, but, um.
1: It kind of returns you to your roots where like everybody's just in a house like, hey, we have a camera. Let's shoot this week. Okay. Let's make a movie. Yeah. Two um, people
0: in a room. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the, those are often like the best stories though too, right. you know, it's like, you then, then it's it really relies on the strength of the character interaction, the the, the quality of the script and the story. Um, and I do like the idea of like even you know being a fly on the wall and seeing a small production because then you know everyone is really engaged. Yeah. Where if you have like 150 people on set and it's noisy and it it's it doesn't I don't know it doesn't have that same family gestalt, you know.
0: Right. I mean, that's yeah, you know everyone that's on the yeah. set, you know, it's a, it feels more like a family. And and I also think I also think, you know, in terms of my favorite stuff, it's like it, whether it's imposed like self-imposed rules or boundaries or the sort of nature of it and be, because it, you either don't have money or because you know, you don't have time all of those boundaries I, I, I always find make it better because it gives mm-hmm. it direction you know like it's like part of direction is like sort of whittling things away to like to, to to shape something and sometimes the conditions can can help sort of focus the direction in a very specific way you know um like you know sometimes it I, I, I happen to love it uh, when I have very, very, um very very tight boundaries because i feel like as a director it um it makes my job easier
1: sure because <laughs> no, i only have totally like one one
0: choice you know
1: what I, mean? <laughs> I mean choice is tragic if you have too much to think about then you it's just it's too in specific and you just go all over the place and you don't know where the thing's gonna go um yeah, I, there's a, a lot of books like that, and it's just like you're in the middle of the book. You're like, I have no idea where this book is going. Um, well, let me ask you, um, you know, because you, as an actress, as a writer, as a producer, as a director, you, you're often pitching your stuff, your stories. Um, has has um, this changed kind of like the nature of what you want to pitch going forward, and? Um, are there any things that have come out of this COVID kind of quarantine reality that like didn't exist before that you're like, I have this great idea now and and I think it will work and it would have never worked before kind of thing?
0: You know, I, I, I'm not necessarily anything specifically. There's well, not anything specifically, but there's two things I've been thinking. Well, one, the, the with the film that I have coming out, it's really wild because it, it, it is it's. It's a how would I explain it like an absurdist horror film in a way. It's like very funny, but it's also like it's a horror film, and um, and it and it's about contagion. And it's but it's it was, when I was making it, there was like there was a moment where I was like, is anyone gonna understand what's happening? Because the way that it's. Um, uh, contracted or, or spread is if you say, I'm going to die tomorrow, then the person that you told that to, they they then think they're going to die tomorrow. And so uh. I wasn't sure how sort of obtuse that was. But now, but then when it, it was supposed to play at South by, now when people watched it, they just immediately got it and thought it was like, you know, that like I had predicted the future or something. And like, and so I have no idea. I, I, I just, I have no idea what it would have been like to have people watch it pre-COVID like i have no idea if they would actually get it (laughs) you know what i mean it's very strange and i'm just gonna admit that but like
1: i'm using COVID as a marketing plan for my movie
0: yeah no no no
1: no but i mean it's it's funny it's funny that you say that it's like um you know COVID nineteen is a virus. It's the CNN campaign that's, or maybe it's Washington Post campaign that says misinformation is a virus. Um, you know, and it and it's it kind of reminds me of you know Leonardo DiCaprio's line in Inception, like you know an idea is the most powerful virus. And I I, I love I love the fact that the coincidence is there. It's it's a little eerie. It, it's very meta, um, but it could work.
0: Yeah, that it was it was. It was mostly about that. It was mostly about the, the how just sort of on the right and left, how like hysteria of like getting like the right like riled up and the left riled up and like just in these ways that were so contagious and getting everyone sort of like crazy. And Then I also noticed even just personally that like my own anxiety, if I would let myself sort of go overboard, then like I would talk about my anxiety and it would just like, Get even worse and then I tell somebody else and then I, they'd be worried about me. You know what I mean? And then it's like
1: <laughs> yes, and then you're refilling your Ativan prescription, you know, yeah, I'm, I've been there Yeah, So, but
0: then but then oh, but going back to the other question is is um, the, the one thing I've been thinking about is Because everyone's Everyone's consuming so much content that there's something really interesting that I've been thinking about is like as opposed to um, like quarantine has made me think about this as opposed to like going so like flashy and like big and like outward and, and like to like market to people. I, I think that the, I think like a, sort of pitching a really simple show, like something that's very, very simple. Like right yeah. now, everyone, I, all of my friends were like flipping out about normal people. Did you ever, have you watch that?
1: Yeah. It's like teenagers. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's so yeah. simple. Very simple, and so I feel like I feel like that's an, another thing that I've been thinking about is like pitching something that's just like super simple, not just because of the times, and then you can have two characters and you know the conditions and yeah. whatever, but also because I feel like people, because of the way they're consuming, it is this intimate sort of relationship that you can get away with simplicity a little a little more than you can, you know, previously. I,
1: I think that's a, a a very deft observation. I mean, like. I, if you just had a show that was a series of pictures of people hugging, I think you get it. I mean, <laughs> you know right. I mean, like right now, yeah. I think I think returning to simple and honest and and truth. Yeah. I mean, what we know of truth has been obscured so much, and again, like polarization has. I mean, are people really this polarized, or is it what we what we see? I mean, because you know when you when you have a conversation with somebody that like believes something differently than you and you have actually you you have a face to face like uh, you know intellectual argument that that you share your ideas and you do it in a way that it um that protects the other person that is is not is not blame based or or anger based i mean so much of like what we do now is trolling under the anonymity of social media that we have these profiles, these, these digital identities. I mean, and you must experience it too. I mean like, you know, as somebody that's on camera that does like a major motion picture you you do all these press junkets and you know you have to, there's a certain like performative Amy. You've got to go out and you got to sell the thing and then like you want your private life like totally. I don't want to be a public person yeah. when i have to be a public person for work. But now it's like everybody wants their fifteen minutes of fame. The, the Warhol thing. I mean, they they've got their you know Instagram accounts. They've got they've got their podcasts and they've got their their their. their it's very important. It's become like the cult of personality, and it's it's made us, I think really guarded from what's truth and like, how do you, how do you share truth? Um, it's a real complex kind of situation right now, especially with,
0: have you listened to the, the, um, the New York times podcast rabbit hole?
1: I haven't. No. It's a,
0: it's all about that. It's really fascinating. It's, it's part of, um, it's part, it's like a, um, a special that you know that the New York times, the daily that they do where it's Mm -hmm. like the, they have the daily, Sort of news stories. It's a it's a um, it's a special that they did called Rabbit Hole, and it's all about sort of everyone having YouTube channels, and then these kids getting addicted to like TikTok, and like how you can get oh. like sort of into these like you know Richard Spencer like ideas through YouTube, and YouTube their algorithm is suggesting these things, and it's really fascinating. But it it, it goes through like this series uh, of like. Uh, different people that they talk to um who get, like get sucked into these like you know youtube uh wormholes and like like get sucked in and get sort of radicalized in a way or like believe in pizzagate or believe in you know like, like Earth. yeah yeah
1: whatever yeah. Yeah. and
0: then or just like say really horrific like 4chan or 8chan or whatever and say really horrific things about women or and how they can start to become like indoctrinated into these ideas by watching these people who have these internet personalities who are quote unquote speaking the truth. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, Vice did a whole thing on QAnon and I was just like Exactly.
0: They, they get into QAnon, yeah. Uh
1: I, I mean, I, I'm glad I like I do boring corporate marketing shit cuz I don't I don't have the time for that. On top of that, I just like man, I think as a humanity, as a society, we need to spend more time connecting. And I know I'm saying this as I'm staring into a camera lens and not your face, Amy, but it's like I I love doing this because I wanna to talk to people, but I, I mean I'll tell you when I interview people I'd rather be in like sitting next to them having a glass of rose or you know, like being able to feel their energy and I think so much of that mediation and so much of that understanding of, of camera and screen and this screen age that we live in is divisive. It is it is a part of the problem. Um you know that there, and again, it just it bifurcates as one side versus the other, and there aren't two sides. There are like a thousand sides, millions of sides. Um,
0: you know who's gonna save the world, um, which I've also <laughs> binge watched uh, during quarantine. I've watched Dave it. Chappelle. No, I've well, he's one. He should team up okay. with Queer Eye guys because like yeah. they are so good at exactly what we're talking. I'm not kidding. They are. They, I want that. I like. I want to just be around them all the time because they're just spreading joy and understanding, like everywhere or across the world. <laughs> but they do a really good job. I mean, and like the new episodes, but they really do. They do a good job because they go to the south and they like go places that like you know they that are usually the anti yeah, gay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they have these really beautiful, touching episodes where they they like sort of connect to exactly what you're talking about. Like connect to people that they otherwise wouldn't have like one was like a cop and um and they they i mean they and they're really honest but it's really it's anyways i love that show so much but it brings me so much joy because i'm like oh like everyone can have a conversation and understand each other if you just bring these fabulous gay men like to redo their home and wardrobe
1: yes, like- yes. I, I know I, I, it's as a former resident of palm springs who yeah, w- went to many parties with with kaftans as the uniform. I I have to tell you, like I am, I, I think we need that right now. I think we need a little sparkle. We need a little glitter. We need less anger, less hate. Definitely less uh, automatic assault rifles, um, and more more conversations like this. And Amy, I I'm so happy to reconnect with you, and I hope that we can do this in person. Um, yes, because this I honestly. I mean, you wouldn't have to kiss me. I'd wear a mask <laughs> and I'd, I'd even quarantine with you. Um, but uh, and and thanks Gates too behind the camera there, pal. I appreciate it. Um, and um so i guess when just to, to close where where can we find your your movie and when um, can we watch it it will
0: be dropped around i mean this this date might change but it will be sometime around august 7th um i will double check that with you before you put this out but it's uh i am told august 7th um and it will be and dropped online like pretty much like everywhere um, so
1: it'll be streamed, and it'll be, and it's a neon film. It's which a is neon so exciting. film,
0: which I'm very excited about.
1: I, now, is this the first time you've ever dropped a film via screening? Is this or streaming? Is this going to be kind of a new experience for you?
0: No, I mean, uh, I mean, I I did with Sundance, I did it. Um, I had two, I had New York, LA, and like maybe Chicago for a, a week or something, but um, but and then it dropped uh, on iTunes, but I. And it, it streamed a little bit. Oh, and also, Sundown Shine, I just found out, is gonna be, um, Criterion's gonna uh, re release oh, it nice. around the Criterion. same time. Criterion! Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. So. Exciting. Yeah.
0: So, it's, it, I'm very excited about that, too.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, Amy, thank you so much for being on After 12. It's lovely seeing you, and I can't wait to see you in person.
0: Thank you so much. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.
1: Bye.